Traditional thinking and traditional real estate investing strategies go something like this. It's this process where you, number one, save up for a down payment, and then you choose the property. You go get a mortgage for 60-80% of that value of that property, and then spend your savings on the down payment to acquire the property. And if you want to grow, you just repeat that process. Chances are that sounds like what you've been taught. I certainly know that is what I was taught, and this is how we started in real estate, and frankly, how most people, what most people do when they get started. Here's the problem though. Saving up money for a down payment plus closing costs can take a while. You probably know this, but come with me. We're going to do a little walk and talk and and do some math together. (laughs) So let's say you're able to save $1,000 a month. That means you can save up $12,000 a year. Let's also say, for example, you want to purchase a property that's worth $400,000. Realistically, most properties these days, especially in the multifamily space, are more than this. But let's just say, for easy numbers, $400,000 is the cost of your ideal property. Assuming you need 20% down and you get a mortgage for the other 80%, that means that you need at least $80,000 in down payment plus closing costs, so let's say about $5,000, which means at least $85,000 to close on this property. And that leaves you no breathing room. At $1,000 a month, it would take you over seven years to save up the down payment in order to purchase this one property. Now, I'm not saying that that's not a good thing to do. In fact, the fact that you're investing and making your money work for you, in my opinion, is a great thing. But if you're only buying one property every seven years, between the ages of 20 to 60, that's only five properties that you've purchased. Now, just for argument's sake, let's double that and say you've saved $2,000 a month. That's $24,000 a year. That still takes you three and a half years to get the down payment on one $400,000 property. You can see why, even at saving $2,000 a month, scaling a real estate portfolio becomes a challenge. Let me be clear. It is totally okay to do it this way, but it's not going to happen quickly. Here's the other problem or challenge with scaling in real estate. When it comes to residential financing, aka the mortgage, the bank decides how much they're going to lend you based on your personal income. There's certain ratios and calculations the bank does to decide whether you can carry the mortgage and the debt, including your rental property, which of course it sounds fair and hey, nobody wants to overextend themselves, but here's the kink. Eventually, you end up hitting an income ceiling. And whether you make $100,000 a year or a million dollars a year with your income, you can only ever get so much money from the bank because your personal income has a ceiling. And when you hit the ceiling, you can no longer buy rental properties in the residential space in this traditional way. So what's an aspiring real estate investor to do? What do you do if you want to scale your portfolio? Troy and I wondered this exact question for years. We always heard whispers about people who had 50, 100, 200 plus rental doors, and we had no idea how they actually got there. That is until we heard about creative financing, OPM, aka other people's money, and investor Mal and Dave. I know. I know, you might be skeptical. I've read the comments online, I've seen the Reddit threads, and there are a lot of skeptical people out there. And honestly, I was one of them too. I'm also going to say that it is okay to ask questions, and it is imperative that you do your due diligence and don't be dumb. I also find it really interesting how much skepticism there is, how much people refuse to even learn about creative financing or OPM. There's so much fear out there of being scammed, fear of losing money, or fear of failure. And I think this mindset, the mindset that it's not possible or that anyone trying to teach you to make money is a scammer, it's definitely one that I grew up with and heard a lot in my household growing up. 
But I'll also tell you this, this mindset did not serve me well and it's probably not serving you either. The truth is that the strategies you're going to hear about in today's episode have been key in Troy and I scaling our portfolio to 65 doors with many more under contract and growing still. Now, full disclosure, it is riskier to do it this way and also with more risks comes the potential for higher rewards. But here's the thing, I'd so much rather you knew about the options and can make a decision for yourself, knowing the risks, knowing the the positives out of this and decide what works for you than for you to not even know this is an, an option at all. That's why I'm so excited to have Mel Dupuis, half of the Investor Mel and Dave team with me here today on this episode. Mel and Dave have grown an impressive real estate portfolio and have been two of the wonderful mentors that we've been lucky enough to work with in the last few years. Learning these strategies allowed us to break the mortgage ceiling and get out of our own way to scale from nine doors and then 22 and now 65 doors. That's growing our portfolio three times the size in less than three years. This is a super fantastic, juicy episode. And before we go on, I've got to make my lawyer happy and read the official disclaimer. So please remember that the views and opinions in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. What you hear today is not financial advice. We are not licensed financial advisors or lawyers, mortgage brokers, or real estate professionals. This is not a substitute for getting your own professional, legal, real estate, or financial advice. And in a platform like this, where we speak to many individuals, each with your own journey and own circumstances, it's super important to get personalized advice. I encourage you to build a trusted team of professionals and consult with them to support you in your personal situation with your individual goals. So that being said, if you want to scale in real estate but don't know where to start, if you have hit the income ceiling for traditional financing or know that you're close and don't know what to do about it, if you are unsure about what OPM is and creative financing is, don't know how it works, or maybe you are just plain skeptical, listen up. And if you don't know the house, you know, how does creative financing work? Where do you find investors? How do you work with them? And how do you structure the deals? This episode is for you. Today, you're going to learn and you're going to hear about the accident that changed Mel and Dave's life and how you can change your life without needing a traumatic event. Their story, it brought me to tears. It might do the same for you. And it's going to remind you of what's most important in life. Now, you're also going to learn about the power of OPM, other people's money, and how it can help you scale without using your own funds or without splitting profits with joint venture partners. You're going to learn about three creative financing strategies and how to create win-win deals to grow your business. We're also going to get into some of the nitty-gritty details of OPM. You're going to hear what deals can look like, examples of how they're structured, how to attract investors, and what you can include in an investor presentation and package to make people say, hey, I want to work with you. You're also going to hear what you need before you get started in real estate, both in terms of resources and mindset. You're also going to hear Mel's real talk and tips for how her and Dave, a busy power couple with three kids, how they do it all and how they work together successfully. And of course, well, gotta talk about mindset. You're going to learn about the common mindset blocks that come up around real estate investing and how to break those down and get over the fear to get out of your own way and grow your portfolio. By the end of this episode, you're going to understand how to grow your real estate portfolio without using your own funds or splitting profits with joint venture partners. You're going to have a solid understanding of what creative financing and OPM means and how you can actually use it to grow your portfolio. And you'll get your mindset lovingly uplifted by Mel's inspiring story and joyful attitude. Listen in, my friend. This is how to grow your real estate portfolio using OPM 
and creative financing with Mel Dupuy. Welcome to the Golden Girls Podcast, where we believe you can have it all. I'm your host, Lisa Michaud, and I'm spilling tangible tips, goal-getting strategies, and real-life stories to inspire you to tackle your biggest dreams. You're a woman who knows you're made for more. Get ready to leave the excuses and self-doubt behind by being vulnerable, sharing your truth, and having honest conversations so you can succeed on your terms. Together, we'll set goals you'll actually achieve by staying motivated, having fun, and building a community of women empowering women. It's time to tap into your best self, get confident, and truly have it all. Golden Girl, let's dive in. Mel and Dave Dupuy, better known as Investor Mel and Dave on social media, are award-winning mentors, best-selling authors, and well-known speakers. They have purchased over 240 units using none of their own money and no joint venture partners, now in five different countries. They are the founders of the Action Family Mentoring Program and have helped hundreds of students grow their own real estate portfolio with creative financing, including two students, Troy and I. So welcome, Mel, to the show. I'm so excited to have you here today. Hey, Lisa. So great uh, to, for me to be with you today. You've been on my podcast today uh, in the past. Now it's my turn. So I love it. <laughs> so fun. I know. I know. And um, it's really fun because I feel like we the table have turned and now I get to ask you questions. Yes. Um, so there is obviously, you know, you guys have a couple podcasts, you even speakers, you share a ton of amazing content on all your social media platforms. So there's a lot of information already out there. And I want to say for everybody listening already, you know, go follow Mel and Dave, go get connected to their world because you'll learn a lot. I wanted to spend this episode really getting a little deeper and hearing maybe some of those stories um, that aren't out there already. That being said, one of the pivotal moments I know in your life has was the car accident that you and Dave got into. Can you tell us about that accident and how it changed the trajectory of your life? What happened and what did it awaken in you? Yeah, we were, we, it was just a regular day. It was, uh, it was date weekend with, with Dave and I, no kids. Woo! So our, we, uh, we voted in the morning and we're on our way to uh, Toronto for a real estate investing uh, conference. And we were passengers in the backseat of, of an SUV. Um, and out of nowhere, a transport driver who was driving carelessly was driving in between lanes. He hit a vehicle that instantly hit us. And we literally started rolling across the highway and we landed upside down. The vehicle was crushed um, and it was a terrifying moment. I, I, I have three kids um, and in the moment I thought I was dying for sure. Like there's just no way that I could survive or go on whatever. It's the highway, Julian Highway. It was just before uh, Canada's Wonderland. And um, it, it forever changed my life in, in many, many ways. I mean, number one, of course, thinking about my kids wanting to spend more time with my kids, really, really realizing how in a heartbeat everything can be taken away from, from me and my family um, and, you know, wanting to do something else. And I remember actually being in the hospital, and this sounds so funny, but it was my reality. I was thinking about the kids and all that, and then I thought about work and not wanting to travel for work because I don't want to be on a highway for myself at risk just for work for something that I don't love. Like, yeah, I'm okay to travel for my kids. But it was all of that that, was, that just really came to reality and you know and then we decide like you know we, we want better we want we want to do more we want to change lives we want to inspire our kids more we just we just want to make a difference um so then that weekend um the, the vehicle was was compounded so we couldn't we couldn't um have access to it whatsoever whatsoever um so we decided to um we decided to still go to the conference we had no clothes with us or anything 
Um, so we still went to the conference. We found one shirt for, for Dave because he's a big guy. We were able to find him one shirt for the weekend. Um, and we still went. And, you know, it, it changed our mindset. It's definitely, like, one of the worst, scariest days of, of my life. And, you know, it's also, in a sense, one of the best days because it completely changed everything that I was doing. Um, I went back, you know, that weekend we decided we never used to tell anyone how we're doing it. Not even my mom would be like, Mel, how are you buying these properties? I'm like, don't worry about it, mom. Like, we had such a scarcity mindset. We didn't want to share it with anyone. And then we decided, why, why, why aren't we helping other people? And, you know, we like real estate changed our lives. And I was back home. I, had a, I didn't realize that that weekend, but afterwards I had a severe concussion. I had to take a couple months off work and as I was off and slowly healing I realized that just the anxiety of, about going back to work was was climbing and I, it was just mentally in a really bad spot and I had and Dave said just don't go back and that moment of being having that freedom of choice I get choked up because it, it you know it's a really hard moment in my life and to have that flexibility of not having to go back when I just really felt like it just wasn't for me anymore um, and the only reason I was able to have that choice was because we had invested beforehand in, in real estate. I had that freedom of choice. So that's when we decided, you know, why not help other people have, you know, that the freedom of choice for themselves, whether, whether it is quitting their jobs or traveling with their kids and all that and, and being able to. And I didn't. I ended up quitting my job. So I never went back after my after the car crash. Wow. Okay. I'm already crying. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what else is doing over there. Uh, so touching and so many amazing, just, you know, just life lessons. Um, can you paint the picture a little bit for us of what life was like before the accident? Cause it, I mean, it sounds like you figured out, you know, what's important to you in life. You got rid of the scarcity mindsets, um, went all in on your dreams are now helping other people, all amazing things. What was it like before? Before, I mean, it was still it was so good. Um, but I mean, working nine to five meant that I was working nine to five. I had less time in my schedule for my kids. That's just the reality. Um, I remember not being able to see my little guy get on the school bus and off the school bus, and that's something that I really wanted because when they're young, it's such a precious, exciting time for them. Every time they get off the school bus and a big hug, and and I wasn't able to do that. And and, and it's not that my life was bad or anything like that before, but I I knew I wanted. I wanted more. I wanted more. And it's not about the money. It was about, it was about having that joy with them, having my time with them, be just being there with my girls. My, my girl, my girls are, are teenagers now, but even just being home, if they have a bad day, they're not going to want to talk to me at five o'clock at night or five thirty at night. Right. They, they want to talk to me when they get off the school bus, um, right away type of thing. So just being able to, to have that. So, um, and then working with my, with my best friend as well. I mean, I get to choose, who I work with now, Dave and I work together all day, every day. And of course we divide and conquer on our tasks and all that, but we, we have the flexibility to really um, live the life that we want because of being able to quit our jobs. And Dave was able, Dave used to be a full-time fire, firefighter as well. Um, and same thing, this was his dream job when he first started, he loved it. He, you know, he, he would take on every overtime shift possible at first and all those things. But after a while, it just wasn't his journey anymore. And, um, he was able to also quit his job in his thirties. Wow. That's so amazing. So how long were you investing for and how many properties did you have, um, when you guys quit your jobs? What did that look yeah. like? Okay. So we, well, we, we started off using our own money at first, right? The traditional way of buying properties. So we did that. I think we had four or five properties and then we hit the common roadblock of running out of our own money, which is very typical or banks not approving us anymore. 
Um, but there's different ways around that. I'm sure we'll dig into this. But um, so then we, we learned about creative financing. You know, we did a lot of research. We met with those who were successful, those who failed as well. Um, and then we, the, the following year, we bought 12 properties in 12 months. Um, that was 56 wow. units. Um, so, and, we, so, and we already had some from before as well that we had bought our own. So I think we were around 76 units um, when I quit, give or take, at least 76, maybe a few more, when I quit my job. Um, and then Dave, I can't remember, it was about a year or so afterwards that, that he quit um, his job as well. Amazing. And now 240 units, is that right? Well, we have sold some throughout the year, so we bought over 240 um, units. Uh, it's funny, our, our goal at first was to have over a thousand units, and that was my goal. Um, but what I realized as I grew my portfolio, sometimes it makes sense to sell some and just put some that are into more passive asset, for example, or some that I can really get at the new list, although it always goes up in value. So we have definitely sold some throughout the years. Um, we're still investing. Uh, now we're really focusing on diversifying our, our portfolio uh, in, in as well. And hence why we're in five different countries now. Amazing. Ah, oh, so cool. So cool. You know, I think that's, um, you just hit something that I, I feel really strongly about. And that is like, it is okay for your goals to shift and to change. And I can't tell you how many people come in and, and I either work with them in workshops or uh, coaching you know, like I want to make a hundred thousand dollars a year or a million dollars a year. I want, you know, a hundred rental properties or a thousand rental properties. And it's so interesting because it's not really until you figure out like, why, like, what is it giving you? Uh, like, maybe you don't need a thousand or maybe you need 5,000 or, or maybe you, it's, it's, it's about the income or it's about the lifestyle or who knows what it is. But I think a lot of people, um, like a, don't figure out why I actually want those things. And B, don't often check in to say, is this still the best path? Is this still what I want? Is this still aligning? So, um, and I'm, I'm really grateful for you sharing that and being willing to, you know, change roots as you go, because I think it also can become even harder once you've been successful in one, one way of doing things. And especially when you've established yourself as an expert and a mentor in one way of doing things, it can be even harder to, to make any changes there. Well, I think it's important to know that exactly as you grow, in your own journey, in your own life, that things will shift. At first, it was all about, okay, let's get to a thousand doors, and then exactly, okay, well, I don't, maybe I don't need a thousand doors. Maybe my time is better spent doing different things. Maybe um, I, you know, I, I we can cash flow quite a bit with all the properties, of course, that that we have, and we can do different things and and have different opportunities. Like, uh, for example, traveling. Uh, we we love traveling. We travel as much as as we as we can because we can take as many vacation days as, as we want, right? The only thing holding us back is it's going with uh, the kids and activities, of course. But outside of that, we're really, really flexible, which is nice. So um, investing in different countries for, for Dave and I, for example, is, is really exciting and just making different connections and working on different um, real estate opportunities and all that as well. And of course, helping our, our students inside their program as well. So cool. So you have this accident and you say that everything changed after that. Um, what? I mean, I think not everybody wants to have a car accident or needs to have a car accident or some, I, I always, I always think like in my, in my business, I, um, I, mine also started with the healthcare. My change also came with healthcare, but one of my intentions is that people don't need to go through those life changing, shocking moments to actually create change. So what was it that actually, like, how did you go about making those changes? What mindsets did you change? What habits did you put in place? What, what were the the things that that changed as a result of that accident that perhaps somebody listening doesn't have to be involved in that terrifying experience that they could consider maybe implementing today? 
I think it just amplified everything. The car crash just went, I knew everything deep down, um, but it just amplified it. It was like, you need to do this now and you need to change now. And, and that's exactly what happened. But at the end of the day, I knew that I was an entrepreneur at heart. I knew that I love helping people. Um, you know, even it's funny because now I speak on stages all the time. But I, I was before that a, a fitness instructor for almost 20 years. Right? I used to love being on stage and doing my little thing. Right? It, it looked differently than it does now. Um, but I, I should have just taken probably more time to just listen. Um, and, and because we're busy and we're growing this and we're kind of going. And, and I had a lot of fear, like quitting your job, for example, it was scary. Like I thought of it many times and, and we had the financial means to do it. Um, and although it was, but it's the, the golden handcuffs, right? Like I had, I had, a, I had a pension. I made good money around 70 or $80,000. I had benefits. I had that security that I'm the top support staff position in, in, within the organization that I, you know, I had that safety and security. Um, and, and letting go of that was, was scary. So I think it was breaking through the fear. And I think the accident made me realize that What's the biggest fear here? Is it, you know, having the secured job and the secured paycheck? Or is it looking back and thinking I never got to spend as much time with my husband as I wanted to? I never got to see my kids as much as I wanted to. The flexibility in our schedule and all that and, and the fear of missing out on what was truly important to me became very, uh, and it always was, of course, but I really realized that that fear was way more important than the fear of, of missing out on, on, on the, on the paycheck. And I realized as well, like if all these other people in the world can do this, why can't I? Mm, that's a great mindset shift. If all these other people can't, can do this, why can't I? Yeah, that's so great. And also I think you, you nailed a different question there too. Like, what am I more afraid of? Am I more afraid of not having security? I'm more afraid of not living the life I really want to be living. And sometimes we can also look to our fears to, to guide us. Yeah. Were there any habits that you changed after the accident? Um, any habits that I changed? Other than, you know, not going to work nine to five. <laughs> right. Other, other than that, um, I just really, I think it was just a, my mindset kind of really shifted on uh, on 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 the lifestyle that I wanted, um, and, and and it's become it's funny it, it continues to build stronger and stronger. It's all, almost like this compound effect that, you know, I'm in it to live my best life, and I I, I, I journal all the time. I, I write every morning what I'm, I'm grateful for, um, and that's typically how I end my journal. Right, I'm, I'm so grateful for my with my life um, or my fulfilled life, my happy life, my joyful life, like anything kind of like that. Because I am, and, and everything that I try to do, whether it's business-wise, real estate-wise, growth-wise, um, kids-wise, it, it all has to feed from from my purpose, right? To live my best life. And if it takes me away from that, then why would I do it type of thing? Mm -hmm. So seriously questioning and checking in. Well, I heard the habit of gratitude, and I also hear that the questioning of does this thing, whatever that is, align with my vision for my best life and consciously choosing in. it? The checking in is really important because um, Dave and I were both big thinkers, especially Dave, you know, he'll be like, hey, let's do this. Let's invest in all these countries. And, and sometimes I'll say, okay, let's do it. Or how are we going to do it? Um, but now it's like, but why do we want that? As opposed mm -hmm. to how are we going to just do it? Because uh, I'm more of the implementer. It's okay, how are we going to do it? But why do we want to do this? Is this going to get us closer to, to our goals here or, or take us further away? So it's really re, uh, reevaluating that and, and 
doing it constantly. I mean, Dave and I, we, we talk about goals all the time. We spend a lot of time in, in saunas in the morning or at night, um, for example, and, and it's our, kind of our time to, to spend time as a couple and, and talk about those kind of things, right, where it's not business, but it's just more where we are, where, you know, what do we want to do? Do we want to plan a trip? Do we want to um, do something different type of thing as well? Yeah, I love that. I I have gone on many soapboxes about weekly planning. And the, the most important part, I think, of weekly planning is like the checking in and reflecting. And I think I think uh, ref, constant reflection is so important to make sure you're on the right path. And it's great to hear that that's something that you guys do and like just more proof of that, that it works and it's super important. Um, okay. So let's talk about creative financing because there's some people in our community that are already fans of you, love what you guys do. Um, and then there's going to be people that have no idea what the heck that means. So what does creative financing mean? Um, I can tell there's probably someone being like, is this legal? What are we talking about? Can you, well, can you share I, a little bit? I'm, yeah. Well, first of all, I'm the first one that was saying to when we first heard it, is this even legal? I remember Dave saying, I don't want to go to jail. Like, I can't do this. Um, you know, the mafia, everything. But no, it, it's completely legal. Um, and it can be a win-win as well, where you really create uh, a win-win with, with other people. But essentially using creative financing is finding other ways, we call it OPM, other people's money, to come down with that 20 or 25% down that you need to buy an income-producing properties, essentially. So typically, uh, there's no way around it. You have to use, um, you have to come up with a deposit, right? And again, depending on the size of the property, it could be 20, it could be 25%, depending where you're at, it could be even be more. Um, but it doesn't have to be your own funds. And there's different strategies that you can use where you can continue to grow, right? When I bought the 12 properties in 12 months, there's no way that I have that much money. That's a lot of down payment money to come up with. There's just no way that it could have scaled as quickly as I did, which meant that I never would have been able to quit my job and have that flexibility, right? That freedom of choice. So that's what creative financing enables to do. It enables you to do it, um, to grow way faster than, than you could on, on your own. Um, and the way we do it is, is without joint venture partners. So we use a variety, uh, really three different methods um, in combination of, of all those to, to grow our portfolio without um, tapping into our own funds. Um, and of course, we have funds that's backup or those kind of things. But um, you can re you really scale at a faster pace if you know what you're doing and you, you do it wisely and strategically, of course. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the spreadsheets are very important. Yes. <laughs> um, so obviously, I know you guys have a masterclass and we're going to link to that in the show notes. You're, you have the Action Family Mentoring Program, which Troy and I are a part of where you teach, you know, a, a lot. Um, but, you know, how, what, what are you open to sharing here in terms of like, how do you actually grow that real estate portfolio without using your funds? Like any, what are you willing to and open to sharing here in terms of which strategies people could consider researching and learning more about in your masterclass and the action family? Yeah, I know. Absolutely. I mean, we essentially, we use three different methods where you don't have to use your own funds. So the first way would be with owner financing where the owner of the property actually holds part of the financing for you. And at times, they've done 100% finance so there's different ways that you can structure that and if you're thinking well Mel that makes no sense why would the owner they don't know who I am why would an owner do that it's because it benefits them right so of course you're going to be paying them interest every month um, maybe you're going to offer them the, the purchase prices they're looking for maybe you're going to close in the month that you want to close it in um, maybe well the, a big reason as well is for capital gains um, right so when you sell a property there's capital gains 
well, this helps them from a tax perspective. And I can dive into that, you know, deeper at another time. But essentially, that's why they do it. Like, I hold financing. I mentioned that we also sell properties sometimes. I hold financing for other people and for properties right now, right? So I bought the property, none of my own money, no joint venture partners. I cash flow from day one. I refinanced and made money. I sold it, made money. And now I'm still making money from the interest, and it's helping me from capital gains. So it can be really powerful. Now, not everybody's going to do it. You're definitely going to get some no's. We get a lot of no's as well. Um, but there are people out there that, that say yes, because again, it, it, it benefits them. Um, but of course, not every deal you get. And I want to make that clear as well, because sometimes I don't want people to get excited and, oh, kill it. I found an owner who's willing to do it. I'm going to do it. Well, whoa, no, no breaks here. You have to make sure you have your exit strategy. Just because somebody's willing to hold financing for you, it doesn't mean that you know that you'll be able to pay them back. We've had to personally pass on tons of deals that you know came across our, our desk once people knew what we were doing um, and that it just didn't make financial sense. So the deal has to, to make sense as well. So that's one way. Um, another way would be with secured funds. So, for example, using somebody else's RSPs um, to fund the deal. And then we'd use promissory notes um, as well, which is essentially a fancy word for contractual agreement. Um, and the neat thing about those kind of, 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 of promissory notes or legal agreements is that you can use the funds for different things. Like I've used them for down payments, for example. I've used them for um, renovations. When I first got started, I didn't have that much money, right? So as long as the deals and I ran my numbers, as long as it made sense and I knew how I was going to pay it back. And the cool thing is I, I mentioned win-win and I, and I truly mean that. The win-win negotiation. I know, Lisa, when I interviewed you on my show, uh, you talked about that as well, right? That it's a, it's a very positive transaction. Um, and it should be. It should be a win-win where, hey, I'm happy. I'm getting to this asset. None of my own money. I'm cash flowing all these great things. But the person, for example, who is doing promissory, no, they're really happy because now they're able to maybe go on a trip they weren't able to afford before. Or maybe they got the deck that they wanted, you know, those kind of things as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And, you know, I think that just shifts, um, that's the, that's the perspective and that's the energy that we want to be in is like, is win-win, right? So when you talk about like owner financing and what's in it for them, I think that's important to really understand is that there is something in it for them. Right. And same thing, you know, with promissory notes, you're right. Like we, that's, that's the, we've worked with lots of, um, promissory notes over the years and that's, what's helped us scale. And it's amazing. Like our friends have been, uh, it's been friends, family, some have been accredited investors, um, cause there's securities, <laughs> there's security stuff in there to be really aware of. Um, but you know, it's been people that have saved up money for their dream car. It's been, um, uh, people that have wanted to have some extra money, um, uh, to protect themselves from a relationship that wasn't going well. Um, it's been people that have taken extra time off with their firstborn child after tragedy, um, that have been able to use their money, make their money work for them in a way that creates passive income for them and help them live the life that they want while we're able to also get into property. So it is really amazing. Like that's probably the most, I know for me, one of the most rewarding things about our real estate journey has been able to share that wealth and create win-wins for so many people. So yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I love, I love that you said that about the owner financing because that's that's important to know too. Um, it's really what is, one of the things I find really interesting is that this whole idea of OPM um, raising capital it's actually really common in the business world. Uh, I even have um, episode sixty three of Golden Girls podcast. We have Yuri Fulmer on there, and he talks about venture capitalism, private equity, and how women can access funding for their businesses. Uh, so if you want to know more about that, go listen to that episode. Um, and I find it really interesting because. You know, we talk about it in that context. I don't get any like hate messages or, or anything like that. Um, and a lot of people also, you know, 
even just like shares, shares are another version of OPM, right? Like you're getting a company's getting money in exchange, you're getting a share or ownership of a company. But for some reason, people like we can make sense of it when we're talking about raising capital for a business. We can make sense of it when we're talking about like shares and, and that, but why do people think it's scammy in real estate? Like what would you, why do you think this is? What would you say to somebody who thinks this? I mean, at the end of the day, I get it. I, I completely understand why, uh, because it's so, I think, number one, surprising, right? I remember when I first read it, it, it was very surprising. Um, it sounded, you know, too easy, perhaps. It, oh, well, if, that, if, if it's that easy, and it's not that it's complicated, but you do need to know what you're doing with it, right? You shouldn't just be, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll do owner financing, and you don't have the right conditions, and you didn't do your due diligence, and you don't have your built-in strategy. So, uh, those kind of things are really, really important as well. Um, mm-hmm. And, and find yeah, and don't just take your friends and family's money and uh, not have a plan. Exactly, right? You have to be strategic. It is a business. It is running it like a business. And whether you're using your own money or creative financing, you still need to make sure that you're exactly running it like a business. And, and that's what I would say, that it's not a scam. I mean, if it was a scam, we, we would have been taken down uh, uh, you know, all our social media platforms a, a long time ago. Um, but it's not right. It's, it's a win-win that 20 or 25% down does not have to be, um, your own funds. And and that's where you have that flexibility. And the cool thing is, again, you can do this down the road and typically most of our students may start a bit closer to home or in different provinces, but now we're seeing more and more starting to adventure in, 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 in the States, for example, or, or vacations, vacation home in Dominican Republic, for example, or different places as well. Yeah. Um, well, hopefully we are um, planting seeds to change people's minds on this idea that um, other people's money um, is just, well, first of all, that, that it's accessible, that it's not just because you hear that or the term creative financing, that it's not just scammy, that there are very legitimate win-win situations that can be created because of it. So, yeah. And Lisa, if I can add a, a tip yeah. as well, like for the listeners, like, because I used to hear about it as well, and, and Dave and I both heard about it, and we didn't. We were very stuck in our own mindset that, oh no, it's, it has to be illegal. There's something sketchy. Like there just some, seems to be something wrong. Um, and then we were on vacation, and, and we read the book. I'm sure you probably have as well, Rich Dad Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. And although it did not show me how to do the creative financing, it completely changed my mindset that I am doing it all wrong. I'm working all these hours trading my time for money instead of using other people's money strategically, win-win, you know, all those kind of things and putting it to work. And, and, and if you actually research it, that's how, like exactly what you said, though, you said, they said, that's how the rich build wealth. They leverage the same thing that like, you know, I, Dave and I, yes, we have a large portfolio and we're doing all those things, but the reality is it's not just Dave and I, I have a very large team behind the scenes that makes us look great and doing all these amazing things that I can't do this alone. I'm leveraging their time in exchange for a, a nice paycheck, right? Well, same thing with building the portfolio. You don't have to try to do it all on your own and struggle. There are ways around it as well. Oh, so good. So good. <laughs> okay. Thank you for saying that. Um, I'm going to dive into so many of those things. Uh, before, before we do, I want to ask you a couple of rapid fire OPM questions, like, sure. you know, just rapid fire. And then I want to talk a little bit more about, about mindset and all that. Um, so these are some questions that, um, have come from our community. Cause when I, I told them that I was interviewing you, I said, well, what would you ask Mel if you had the chance? So, um, okay. First thing, can we, and I know this is like, this is probably the worst question to start with for rapid fire, but we're going to do it. Um, there are legal and securities regulations to consider when raising funds, you know, rapid fire. What would you, what do you feel comfortable sharing there for people just to be aware of? 
Um, quick tip, use a lawyer. <laughs> um, you know, don't try to do things. I've, I've done, you know, done lots and lots, about over 240 units. We've done lots of deals. There's not one single deal that I did without a lawyer. You use a lawyer. You don't know what you don't know. Have everything gone through, you know, doing it properly. And don't be unethical about it. I know, I, I know sometimes people try to they'll lie in certain things and it's like, oh, it's going to come bite you in the end. I'd rather lose out on one deal um, than try to do things that are a little illegal just to get that one extra deal um, because it's just not worth it in the end. At the end of the day here, you're growing your portfolio. It's hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions. Of course, um, you want to make sure you're doing it properly. Use a, use a lawyer. Yeah. Create a foundation of integrity. That's what you want to build on for sure. Yes. And there are securities lawyers that can help you and securities commissions get in touch because raising funds, there's some lines there. Yeah. Thanks. I love, I thank you for bringing up the integrity ethics. I think that's super important here. Um, okay. So now we'll try some more actual, more rapid fire questions. Um, what, uh, what are some of the terms or agreements that, that these look like, like fixed interest variable? Are there any examples that you're open to sharing of what an agreement might actually look like? And honestly, I, I can share so many examples because every single deal pretty much I've ever done look completely different. You know, I've, I've paid 0% interest. I've paid 3%. I've paid 5%. I've paid 7%. I've paid double digits. Um, so every single deal looks different based on what the deal can sustain. Um, same with the term, right? Uh, typically, you want to leave yourself at least a year, for example, of time. Uh, before, you know, at the minimum, I like to, uh, as you know, Dave and I, we're, we're like onions, right? Having lots of layers of protection. So yes, you, do want too. To, you do want to have, if I think I can pay back somebody for two years, in two years, I'm going to have some extra layers of protection in there type of thing as well. But know that every deal should be analyzed specifically for each deal. Don't try to have, a, if you hear one person say, oh, you never want to do this. You never want to pay higher than 5%. But the deal, I'm going to make $800 a month. And it's going to make me 200K down. I'm okay to pay a little bit more. Or maybe maybe at 5%, no, I'm, I'm, I'm making 50 bucks a month and I'm just going to make 10K in five years from now. I'm going to pass on this one, right? So, so always think bigger picture as well as an investor because that's something uh, as a creative financing expert that I get all the time. But Mel, you know, you pay higher interest rate than, than other people. And that's true and not true. Sometimes with owner financing, I've had very low interest rates. Um, even 0% sometimes when you can still make it a win-win. Um, however, I've, I have paid higher interest as well, and it's really making sure that the deal makes sense and I still cash low and that it's worth in the end. Bigger picture, if I can buy all these properties and I make a little bit less because I'm paying some interest, um, I still own the asset solely owned as well, so it still makes sense. Amazing. Have you ever done variable or is it always fixed? It depends. Um, we've done both. Yeah. Even on both. Okay. Okay. Great. Great. Okay. Um, all right. OPM often involves borrowing money, as we said, from people that you already know in your network. Do you have examples or stories of things that have gone sideways and what you learned from that? I've never had an issue paying back a lender. Um, so that would not be an issue. And I would actually say like for myself, my own experience was not people that I knew. <laughs> the majority of people I've ever grown my portfolio with are strangers. Um, they're investors, perhaps, or they're owners. Um, but it's been very rarely. And, and, you, and, and a lot of, and I know a lot of students inside the Action Family, it's the network inside the community, that, and, and they get to know each other. And some people lend money to others, so they, they can do that as well. But for myself, um, I've done a lot of owner financing and just really explain the win-win for, for the investors type of thing. Because not everybody wants to see what I'm doing and growing their portfolio. Some just want to invest 
um, it possibly. And I forgot the, the, the real question here. Oh, it's <laughs> yeah, I, get, look, I think I think what the person is getting at here. This is one uh, community source question is like probably goes back. I'm I'm this is me projecting this on there. But I think it goes back to the old adage, uh, never do business with friends or family, keep friends or family separate. And I think this is kind of where that question what comes from is, you know, if you're often involving and creating win-wins with people that you know, or OPM and securities regulations, again, don't quote me, talk to a lawyer, but friends and family, it, you're, it's easier to raise funds from. Um, that kind of breaks that adage of uh, don't do business with friends and family. And so I think there's some fear here. So people want to know, are there examples or stories of that going sideways and maybe maybe what, what you've learned? But yeah. if you haven't had that, then... I haven't had that. Um, and honestly, that was my fear when I started was well, what if I can't pay somebody back? And that's why we kind of slowed down that year after I was like all in about this creative financing and we decided to do it properly. And we built in our exit strategy inside our matrix and those, you know, the cash flow analysis matrix and all those things. So I've never had a situation where I can't pay back somebody because that's been so uh, important to us from, from day one, of course. So I haven't had that. Have I made mistakes? Absolutely. So that I can definitely talk about a lot of <laughs> Um, you know, one of our mistakes is that we grew very, very quickly, which was amazing using creative financing, but I didn't know what I didn't know. And my business structure was completely wrong. Um, you know, I, I was, yes, I was using lawyer, but they weren't investor focused, for example, right? So dealing with the right kind of people. Um, so then I had to, so we grew very quickly. We had all, I think by then we had about 18 properties and they weren't set up properly. So I had, it was really, really expensive to get them all set up properly inside a, a business structure. So that's one mistake, for example. Um, and that's a reality, uh, you know, with creative financing or, and, or, or as investors. Can you make a lot of money? Absolutely. You know, there's, a, there's you can grow quicker. You can make a lot of money. Um, there's great things that can happen. But mistakes can be very costly as well. And this is why it's important that you get the proper education and, and coaching through it because, yeah, like that mistake alone cost me literally hundreds of thousands of dollars because everything had to be switched over. It was a huge mistake. Um, you know, do I regret it? I mean, some, sometimes when I had to pay the bill, of course I regret it, but I, you know, I learned from it and it made me a better investor now. And, and yeah, I didn't, and it's made these kind of mistakes, not because I'm not smart, but because I don't know what, what I don't, don't know. Right. Same with, same with our listeners. You don't know what you don't know. So hence it's so important to to be surrounded and, and to learn from people who have been there, who has the mistakes. So you don't have to recreate them all over again. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Such, such great advice there. Um, how are you guys navigating rising interest rates? Um, we're, I mean, we're, we're investing uh, number one in, in different countries um, as well. We're finding owner financing is definitely up there probably more than before. It's easier to get owner finance. We're seeing a lot of, even inside our community, a lot of students are doing owner financing because if the owner of the property is not able to sell because of higher interest rates, well, they, they want to sell, right? They're ready for retirement and I can make it a win-win with them from a capital gain perspective. And um, they might be willing to give me a lower interest rate, for example. So, so that's how I'm dealing with it. Um, definitely looking in markets where returns are best as well. I know it's uh, comfortable for some people to stay where they are. Um, but that is a reality and I can't change that. I mean, uh, you know, I can give you all the education, all the knowledge as possible, but you can't change the market, right? So this is where invest as much as possible, where returns are best. I know Lisa, you're doing an amazing job at, at that and it's definitely helped you, you grow as well, right? So really, uh, you know, there are, there are still deals out there. You can invest in, in, in provinces or in countries that you can get some great deals at, at you know, at great prices still and still cash flow. 
um, even with creative financing, right? So I would say be open um, to that as well, because it, as long as you have the right team and you're, you know, your right action team and all that as well to help you, you can do this in, in different areas as well. Yes, yes. I mean, don't, I was secretly hoping that you had a magic wand that could make uh, Vancouver a different market. But no, no, it's good. I, um, I, I always say the same thing and face the same thing. Like you do have to be open. I totally agree. Um, okay, any pro tips on attracting investors? Um, just be yourself. Like don't don't try. At the end of the day, when I first started, don't have the mindset. Well. Mel, it's easy for you. You have all these properties of, you know, you're all over social media. Of course, you can attract um, people to, to invest with you. And, and yes, um, and we're always looking for people to invest with us, of course. But but I was not the investment day that you see now on social media. I started my path the same way that you're starting as well and have that mindset as well. And just be just be who you are. Right. It's OK to say that. Um, you're, you're getting started, um, but but you know what? But I did this, or I, I'm really really good at construction, or different things as well. So, what would you want to hear as a um, if you were to lend somebody money um, and reverse engineer, right? Flip it around. Well, okay, I, do, I, well, I would want to know this. I'd want to know that they have a plan, I, uh, or exit strategy that we call it, for example, right? So have these place in mind, and and also just remember that every single person all started the same way. We all had our first deal. And I, I, I think as soon as I got that, because I thought the same thing, like, well, these people don't know us. We're just Mel and Dave in, in the city. Like, you know, why would anybody want to lend us money? Because it's a win-win. That's why they do it. Mm-hmm. And that, okay, that uh, just reminds me. So we pulled a card right before we went live here from Danielle Laporte's Truth Bomb deck. And it was joy is the most magnetic force in the universe. And I mean, I'm sure everybody listening, everybody that watches, everyone that knows you, Mel, feels the joy that comes from you. And it is magnetic. Absolutely. It's magnetic. You know, I'm, I'm sure in, in your hometown, it's magnetic on social media. It's magnetic here. So it's great advice um, from someone who, who really lives that. Oh, thank you so much, Lisa. Hmm. Um, okay. Last, last rapid fire question on the OPM thing. Um, any, so I heard you, you did say people want to know that you have a plan. What are some of the things, other things that you think people want to know in like an investor presentation or a package? I mean, I think you also said like, who are you? I think I'm, I'm going to project here and guess that you also think it's great to share some of your story. What other things do you think people might want to hear? Yeah, I mean, any kind of experience that you have, right? And if you have any experience in real estate, then share that. If you don't have experience in real estate, but you have an education, share that. Um, if you are you don't have an education, but you're really good at, at painting and, and doing renovations, share that. So whatever strengths you have, um, you know, share that as well. And, and your intentions with the properties as well, right? Um, why do you want to buy off this property? Why, why should I lend you money type thing? Well, your intentions are to do this, this, and this, right? And this is going to help increase its value. And then you're going to refinance. And don't worry, I have an extra plan B that if for some reason this takes me longer because the tenant that I'm planning it decides to stay, I'm going to do this instead, right? So be prepared, go there with a plan and just don't expect it to be perfect. Like the reality is, um, Dave and I, when we first started, uh, sometimes we'd go and talk to people and we'd literally come back home and we'd go back and forth and, 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 and brainstorm of what we said that was really good and, and what we, maybe we should have said or should have said that we forgot. And, and we just over time got naturally better at it type of thing. And then once you start, 
it does get easier. It's it's like riding a bike, right? At first, it's scary. It's uncomfortable. You get a little sweaty. Um, but after a while, you're comfortable with that, right? <laughs> and, and it's just the reality is that you do get better um, over time because your your own confidence is going to be up, right? I mean, if, you, if you're going in this blindly and you don't know what you're doing and you don't have any education... Yeah, you're gonna have a hard time raising raising funds. I mean, it's gonna it's gonna even the, your approach to them. But if you come prepared and you have the right education, and even if the first time it's not perfect, well, you learn from it. And then the second time, you probably still won't be perfect. And then you go back and the third time, and and don't be afraid to get no's. I mean, we still get a lot of no's. Uh, we get a lot of yeses, but we still get no's as well. And it's really not personal. It's just that it may not be the right timing. Maybe somebody wants to put their money into something else or they just don't feel comfortable, especially family and friends. Often family and friends may not feel comfortable and that's okay. It doesn't have to be family and friends. I mean, the way that I look at it is that every single owner across Canada and the States and all these countries, they have potential of being one of my investors, right? So be open and, and, and have that open mindset because there's somebody out there that's going to lend me money. I just need to make it a win-win and find them. Oh, great advice. Great advice. Okay. So let's talk a little bit of mindset. Um, I know you said that anyone can do this. That's one of the things we want people to walk away with is feeling that. And I believe it too. And also in reality, there's some things that you think people really do need to have in place before they get into real estate investing. Um, what are some of those kind of tactical pieces that people need in place? So for one example, I've, you know, I've seen you guys say that you need to have a certain amount of money down. So what are some of those pieces that people need before they just start Bind up the neighborhood. Yes, absolutely. You do want to have some backup money, right? Um, because that's just a reality. And even though there are ways around it, I, ha- I have, I know some people who have done it. Um, for example, closing costs, right? Um, or backup money if a tenant doesn't pay rent, for example, right? So this is the kind of backup money, you know, around ten, twenty thousand dollars at least to, to kind of get started. So if something does happen, you do have something to fall back on as well, right? So you want to have that as well. Um, you want to make sure that um, you have the right mindset, right? That, that you're ready, that you're ready to do this, that um, it does take, it does take a little bit of work, right? If you expect that you're going to have this huge portfolio by working one hour every three weeks, well, that's not going to happen either, right? So it's, uh, it, it's being able, but it's also knowing that it's okay if you don't have 10 hours every single week to work on it as well. And that's okay as well. I mean, when I grew my portfolio and we grew very quickly, I was working back then, then for full time. I have three kids. Um, they're in activities and sports, and, and and they're my number one. So that always came first. But I just I did what I could in between, right? I would get up really early in the morning and we'd fit it in. And some weeks, you know, my kids were six, so I wouldn't get up early. And and also not beating myself up for not making progress, but trying to consistently do a little bit um, helped um, as well. What are some of the biggest mindset challenges you see people having when it comes to real estate, and and how do you suggest people get move through those fear um fear that it's a scam fear that um a failure what if what if, what if i can't have that um it's probably or what if it, it doesn't work for me and honestly like and this is what i would say like it's not just me here it's not just lisa here like literally i mean inside the action family we've helped hundreds of students do this as well have the mindset if all those people can do it you can do it as well. I mean, and, and, and I often share my triangle of success, like knowledge, resources, and action. Like 
it's really hard to achieve what you want if you don't have the three pillars. So you have to have the right resources, the right community around you to help and support you, right? We talked about lawyers, for example, all those people in place. You want to make sure that you have the right knowledge. You have to know how you're doing it properly because otherwise, yeah, of course, you're going to fail. Like There's so much little things you don't know you don't know. And then, of course, you have to be willing to take action as well. You can have... Um, you know, all the, the coaching that, that you need, you can have all of the introductions, all those things. But if you're, if you sit there at some point, you have to push through the fear Like there's just no way to ever get the results of anything. And, and pushing through fear is really, really important because um, if you think uh, so many things that we don't do, it's because of fear. And then often we don't regret the things that we ended up doing. We regret the things that we don't do. Right. So, but you have to be literally willing to get a little uncomfortable, a little sweaty and push through the fear to get the results. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you know, I, I, that's so true. And I think that's one of the things that you're really, really good at focusing on and encouraging people to do, which is to take action. That's one of the things I, I really, I mean, your, your community is called the action family. So it really is something that you guys, um, emphasize and focus on. And I, and it, obviously it works. Um, one of the things I find too, I just want to share this little tidbit. Like I find sometimes deconstructing fear can be really helpful. Um, like, and what, like it's, it's a lot of those fears. Like what if a tenant doesn't pay? Um, what if, uh, what if the, I get a no, what if, um, what if uh, the fees are more than I thought? Like there's, what if I can't, increase the rent as much as I thought or what, like all these things, if we actually just break them down, it is just comes down to knowledge and figuring out how to troubleshoot those things. So it's kind of like what you said there, like, okay, so you have a tenant that doesn't pay rent. Well, okay. Can I make sure I have extra backup funds to make sure that I can cover that if it does? Okay. What if this person says no? Okay. Can I go next door and try this person and this person and this person? Um, so sometimes I think just breaking those down and then recognizing which most of them you can troubleshoot and figure out. And that's, I think, where knowledge comes in and we're having the right team and, and um, the right resources in place really helps you to, to then take action. So, But it really is about like figuring out what are those fears and then how do I put those things in place so that then I can take action and feel as confident as I'm going to feel. I'm probably still going to sweat a little bit. We still sweat like every time. But, you know, <laughs> feel better about it once we're actually getting there. So, yeah, I just wanted to share that. I think like a lot of the fears that people have, I think with the right knowledge – resources team you can you're supported in those things agreed <laughs> yeah um okay so you, i love oh i don't love i'm sorry for you um uh, that you had to restructure all of your companies and all the properties <laughs> um is there any other time in your journey that things didn't go the way you wanted it to and how, how did you handle it what did you learn oh i mean my my first property that i purchased didn't go well um, so I had purchased a duplex and I was so excited. My first little duplex. Um, I actually lived in it for a few months when I was, uh, Dave and I lived in it when I was pregnant with, uh, with Colton. Um, so we actually lived in, in that apartment. Um, and then we still owned it. And then all of a sudden fast forward a couple of years later, what had happened is that I purchased the property. I, I had dealt with an agent and, and I had told her my intentions with converting the downstairs into a duplex type of thing. Um, and, and she thought it was great. I, we ran the numbers. It made sense. So we purchased it. But fast forward a couple of years um, down the road, I get a letter from the city saying that this is illegally zoned and that I need to shut down my bottom apartment. Well, that means my cash flow is completely stopped now from the downstairs, which is, it was a significant portion of, of the rent. Um, so we had to, you know, we, we ran our numbers and it was either, well, I can rent it out as just a home now. 
um, or I can just sell it and, 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 and let it be type of thing. And, and so the, yeah, that's what I ended up doing. I ended up selling the property. Um, we had to first switch it back into a home, right? So there came some additional expenses in that. Um, so it stayed its own legally. And then, um, and then I, we ended up selling it. So those kind of things were, you know, another big mistake was just not knowing number one, not, don't just rely on an agent, right? And, and, and I don't think she did it viciously or anything like that. I think she didn't know what she didn't know either. She was an investor focused, for example. She didn't know to ask those kind of questions. Same with myself. I didn't know what I didn't know. I, I didn't do my proper due diligence with the city and zoning and all those kind of things because I didn't really <laughs> think about it. Um, you know, I was brand new and young in real estate, and I just thought, hey, this, you know, I, know, I can figure this out on my own. Yeah, I did, but it, it cost me. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so always check your zoning. <laughs> yeah. Did you, like, what, what mindset did you have? Because I feel like for some people, and let's be real. We've all like talked to these people or these like these stories. Um, I always say like these real estate horror stories have more lives than a cat because they just keep going and going and going and going. Like I feel like for a lot of people that would they would have had that happen to them and they would have stopped and they would have just told everyone that that would listen, that real estate doesn't work and you have to be really careful and you could lose all this money and you can't trust agents and blah, 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 blah. So how did you not get discouraged? How did you keep going? I think I, I just knew like I did, really, I, I did really well with this property. Still, I, I still cash flowed for all these the, the couple of years that I did have it. It didn't turn out in the end because I didn't know what I didn't know. Um, but why can't I get better at, at as an investor now? I know not to do that again. Let's do another property. Let's make sure I work with investor-focused agent and do my zoning properly and and repeat what I did correctly as well. Um, so that was really the mindset to me. It was it was never confident. I think I just knew the benefits of. As soon as I bought my first one and I had a couple, I remember like just getting a couple extra hundred bucks a month. Like, oh my gosh, if I, if I, if I do that times two properties, because it's a thousand dollars, if I do that times 10 properties, like it was literally like I, I counted how, how like I can't get a raise that quickly at my job. Like there's just no way. Right. And, but with real estate, I saw the huge potential, not, not to mention the, the natural appreciation that. Um, continues to exist and you know as, as prices over time increases in value so I think it was just really knowing the power uh, the power of real estate um, and if anybody studies real estate of course that's exactly what happens there's fluctuations absolutely but it does literally go up over time and that's why I knew that I, I could change my life with real estate Mm. I hear you like staying really focused on the vision and also this like, belief that you could do it and also this um, permission to not do it perfectly and that you're going to make mistakes and now you're going to learn better and you're going to do better. And so I think those are all great mindsets that clearly have served you well and that I hope everybody listening can can adopt and borrow those and take those on for themselves. And knowing that it, no, it's not always perfect. I had, I've had the moments where I came downstairs and moving, uh, tended had moved out and he left the mess and I'm crying on the floor. Go, oh, what am I doing? And I'm calling Dave saying, oh, can you help me clean? Right. I've had those moments as well. And, and you might as well as, but it's the, the bigger results of it and, and the, the, the potential. And it was still, you know, at the end of the day, it was way greater than those little moments. And those little moments also was like, okay, well, as soon as I buy another two properties, I'm never doing my own cleaning anymore. I'm going to get somebody to do it down front. And like, it, it was almost like, it, it, yeah, in a moment, of course, I cried and I was upset and there was, you know, there's times. But then it's also like, okay, wait a second. So this moment was a low for me. What could I have done better? Could I have screened the tennis better? Could I have done this? Could I check that maybe a little bit sooner? Um, and, and sometimes things just happen, but okay, well, I really disliked having to 
for example, do all the cleaning and the dump runs and all those kind of things because we were very hands-on at first. Um, then, okay, well, once I buy another property, instead of going to buy a new car, I'm going to be able to have the funds to now hire a cleaner and hire this and hire that. And, and I think that's what made life funner over time, right? Coming back to your, your card about joy is that as you, as you do make more money, right? It's not just about having more money and doing the trips and those kind of things, but it's also being able to delegate the tasks that you may not enjoy quite as much. So that way you can spend time doing what you want. Okay. Amazing. That brings me to something I really, really want to talk to you about. And you are, have a, obviously have a lot going on. Um, you've got three kids. You've got a relationship with Dave that you care deeply about. You've got all these rental units. You've got the action family. Your properties are in five different countries. You still want to have fun and have joy and spend time in the sauna. You mentioned, you alluded to your team. Can you tell us what does your team actually look like? What does the work team look like? What does your home team look like? Tell us, because I think a lot of us, especially women, have been conditioned and told that we we can do it all, but we've heard, I need to do it all. So can you help us normalize getting help and what that really looks like? Can you tell us about the, this? Yeah, and honestly, it came with time, right? So it's not like, now, I, of course, yes, I have a very large team, but it's not like I hired, I hired all these people at the beginning because, no, I, I, I was it was Dave and I at the beginning. Um, and then I ended up hiring our first cleaner to clean the, the apartment. And that was scary. Like, wait a second, I just paid her 80 bucks. Like, I could have saved that $80 myself, right? That mindset, I'm like, no, what, where's my time and what do I want to do with my time? That is, yes, that. that's what I want to normalize is that thinking because I think a lot of us are stuck in the, I could have saved that and done it myself. Yeah, and that was my mindset as, as well at the beginning. So that was, you know, first starting off with cleaners, for example, letting go of that portion. And instead, maybe that, that meant that I, I was able to search for another property during those two hours and find an amazing deal that's going to make me 100K down the road. Hmm, that, which, which way did I better spend my time, for example? So it was mm-hmm. definitely that way. So that was one thing, um, starting off with the cleaning. Um, we were very hands-on with property management at first as well. Uh, we used to do everything ourselves. Uh, yeah, the, the entire property management, the tenant screening, the forms, the, the leases, all that. And I'm glad I did it because it gave me really good experience. Um, but it did get to a point where it wasn't fun anymore. And I was my own bottleneck, my own company, and I couldn't grow anymore. So at first, we had our own internal team um, that were we able to, um, where we had our own internal team to, to help us manage that. And after a while, we also managed other people's businesses or uh, properties as well. And after a while, that became also not what we wanted to do with our time. So we ended up shutting that down. And now we just outsource all the property management. And that's for all our properties across all five countries. Um, I have, just because of the scale of our portfolio, we have somebody now overseeing the property manager. So instead of me talking to all these people, I get a report type thing. We have the the one connection. Uh, So there's just a lot of different ways we can do that, of course, with my social media. Um, I have a very large team that that helps me with, with all that and my financial controller and my bookkeepers and uh, my executive assistant. So having these extra people in place um, definitely helps me being able to do what I love. So yeah, it makes it look like on social media, I'd be like, oh, how does she do it all? It's, I don't. <laughs> I'm not superwoman. Uh, I just have a really amazing team that helps me through it. I think you are a superwoman and you have an amazing team. I don't think those two things are mutually exclusive. And I think we've been told in this lie that we only get that super title if we're doing it all. Um, but the truth is like, we can actually be more super when we have the support. 
It is right, and and it's uh, and it's not always perfect, and sometimes there's hiccups, and like anything else, right? So I make mistakes like everybody else in the world, but um, yeah, being able to build the team, and of course, and yes, now the team it's it's an organization, it's it's big, but for you, you know, you might just be at the at the stage where you just need somebody, like I said, to maybe do the property management, so you can be hands off. If you really don't want to be dealing with the toilets and the tenants and all that, then don't. If the deal makes sense, you know, maybe for you that's the first thing that you outsource um, or if you really love it like I did maybe that's not as much of a priority right now but maybe you just need I don't know somebody to go pick up your groceries so you don't have to or you use the you know you pay for it of extra money and you get it delivered we use that we do that all the time we always get it or not always but we often get it delivered right saves so you can just do it while we're watching the game or something right so it's just doing those kind of things that can be really helpful too Okay. Thank you so much for sharing that. So what about your home? Cause you got three kids. There's obviously a lot. Do you have help at home? What's your home team look like? Um, home team. Um, I mean, we have our executive assistant that, that helps with some personal and, and some, um, some, some personal and, and business of course as well. Um, but the kids, that's something that no, I, I didn't want to delegate. Like I, I want to, you know, we want it to be always very hands-on. So um, when it comes to the kids, you know, we, I delegate other tasks so I can be there for them. So the taking them to the games and I want to cheer, <laughs> I'm going yeah, yeah. to want my time type yeah. of thing. So, uh, but I do have a, a house cleaner. We have somebody that, you know, does the, uh, uh, the cleaning and the, uh, lawn cutting and the snow plowing and, you know, those kind of gardening and those kind of services. So we, uh, task those kind of um, organizing my garage, <laughs> those kind of things I just can't get to. Home things. organizing, yes, yes. <laughs> laundry, does someone do your laundry? Well, the cleaner will will do our, our laundry, yeah. So that it helps a lot. Right, with three kids and and two adults. So. <laughs> yes, yes. Hey, thank you so much for sharing that and normalizing it because I think it's still like this dirty little secret that people have this help and we feel, I don't know, I know I have what the help that I've had, I feel embarrassed or ashamed about it. But the truth is that I think we need more support the more that we want to be in our, in our zones of genius and where we, where we impact the most. Well, um, I think it makes us even better as, as women, as, as, as a spouse, right? Like being able to delegate these things, although yeah, Mel doesn't do all, you know, all these little things, but, uh, but at the end of the day, I'm able to spend time with Dave if he has something he wants us to do or go for dinner or do that. And I can attend my son, you know, all his hockey games. I'm always there and being and cheering and cheering. Right. And just doing things and looking at school and bring my daughter to all these different colleges together. Cause I have the time because I was able to let go, but you have to let go if you want to at some point, and it's not from day one, but just start slowly. My, my, my first cleaner, I had a hard time paying that bill. I was so stubborn, <laughs> but then, it, then I realized how that was kind of fun too, right? Being able to delegate. So <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank you for sharing that. It's so cool. Um, okay. So tell me about, and I think you've obviously seem to do this really well. So I guess any, any tips or Anything you want to share for anyone else who's looking to try and balance building the portfolio with having kids and a family? Have an agenda, <laughs> like schedule it in. I mean, my my calendar is is full, um, but not just full with business. I mean, it's it's full with with everything, right? It's it's full with. I make sure that you know, in morning, like Dave and I having our little time in our sauna, so that's always on our you know in our agenda. We know we do that every morning. Um, we know that I want to be there and take my little guy and do the breakfast and the, the school bus and all that kind of stuff. That's, uh, you know, it's, I know, and I don't write it every day in my calendar because I know that's what I do from this time, to this time every morning. 
um, we like working out. So it's in our calendar, right? It's We try to make it not compromisable because otherwise I always have a meeting I could go to or somebody pulls me in and it's like I literally block off that specific time because otherwise, you know, somebody's going to book that in. So, I, you know, from 8 to 10 or whatever, then we come to the gym, we do our little thing. Um, and then we have some business time. And then after, well, it's when school ends at 3.30, um, you know, that, then I need to be home, right? Then that's my time. And then usually it's hockey or jiu-jitsu or horses, whatever activity kind of happens in the evening. Um, so it's really scheduling your life. So you can still do the business stuff. I mean, we get up early as well in the morning um, and, and I enjoy that. I go to bed not too late. Um, so sometimes when I get up, that's what I'll do. I'll have my coffee. I'll clear some email, do a little thing, get caught up business-wise. We'll do a sauna. We'll work out. So it's just, but that's my agenda. And that's what I enjoy doing. And, and that works for me and my family. But really spend time reflecting on what works for you, right? So some people hate waking up early in the morning. And they'd rather do that at night. For me, I need my sleep at night. And at 5 a.m., I'm ready to get up and, and crush it type of thing. So, um, so just find out what works for you. But the, it's amazing how much time you have when you that you could replace with something else right like are you spending a lot of time just watching movies and those kind of things I'm not saying you can never watch movies but um maybe that time is you make it a kids night with the, with the kids instead and that way you're still connected with your kids and doing something they love and that's something when we grew our portfolio you know it's we had sacrificed sometimes in order to create that so for example that's one thing we'd stop doing we stopped watching when the kids went to bed we used to have our own little shows that we watch well we went to bed as well, so we could get up early in the morning and, and do this as well, right? So so being willing to compromise certain things, but really trying to also make your agenda where you feel balanced. It's not just all business because you're at some point that you're going to lack some fulfillment in life, right? It's, you know, should, you should have a portion of, of either nutrition or health or your activity, right? I'm not saying you have to be a, 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 at the gym every day, but doing a going for a walk or doing something for your health, right? Having something for business. I mean, of course, time if you have a spouse, you know, that you spend time and you connect with them, them and, and of course your, your kids as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, great advice. Uh, you and Dave obviously spend a lot of time together. You work together and then you, you live together. You have children together. You're in the sauna together. You're exercising together. Um, what advice do you have for other couples that are growing the, their families and their businesses together and spending a whole lot of time? Yeah, I mean, a, a couple things. Um, be very quick to forgive. Uh, you know, David, I, of course, will bicker on and off uh, quite often, <laughs> um, but we, it, we're we very quick to get over it. We're not, it's not like we're giving each other the silent treatment for, for hours and days. It's like, okay, well, all right, let him, let him win this one, or he'll be like, okay, let her win this one, and, and we will move on. Um, we divide and conquer. Uh, Dave and I, we joke a lot. We laugh a lot, a lot throughout our days, so I think humor and, and being able to um, just go with it, right? Like whatever it is, a little thing that happened in, during the day that's not perfect. Yesterday, I thought I wa- lost my wallet, so he was teasing me about it instead of being angry. But you know, it's just those kind, of, and I didn't. Um, but you know, just having humor in your day, as opposed to picking at each other, um, makes it a lot better. And and, uh, and and dividing, conquering, right? And at first, we did everything together because we weren't, we didn't have the confidence, and and I, that's what we needed at that point in our journey, and that was perfect for what we needed then. And then kind of like we talked about being able to shift well as we grew and our confidence grew. And now we definitely, although we run our business together, we both have our, our lanes that, that we work on. And of course, we will report to each other. We'll chat about it. Um, but knowing and respecting and trusting that um, we're both doing it wisely and strategically and carefully. And then when we screw up, also being supportive of that, that, you know, it's, yeah, of course, sometimes it's going to make mistakes. And of course, I make mistakes as well. 
Um, but just being able to, 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 to be a team at it. And okay, well, let's not focus on this didn't work out. Let's focus on what's the solution. So it's really being solution driven has, has helped us if there's been, and of course there is in business, some roadblocks or difficulties. Hmm. Those are great pieces of advice. Um, I know this isn't an issue that you have faced, or I'm, gu- I'm guessing this is an issue you face personally, but I'm sure you've heard of it, um, from other people. For those that don't have a spouse that's not on board, maybe, you know, if someone's ready, like they're excited, they've gotten through the mindset blocks, but their partner is still scared. Their partner's not on board. Any words of wisdom for how to navigate that? Any things you've seen that have helped people break out of that? Yeah. And, and this depends. Like I've seen some couples who, um, they don't want them to do it. So let's say, for example, the spouse is all in. I want to do this. I want to go, let's say, on real estate. I want to invest in real estate. I see the value. I want to do this. The husband, no, it's too risky and whatnot. It depends on the relationship. Some some people sometimes can or more or less have the, the permission. You know, I don't believe in it. It's not my thing, but I'll trust you. Go and do it. Then, you know, that's at the end of the day, it's a, it's a, he's, he's still supportive in that case. Then, hey, that's great. But if it, more of a relationship more like probably like Dave and I, for example, where we try to make decisions where we're both on, on the same page before proceeding. Um, then in that case, I think, of course, it's, it is important to, to proceed. And honestly, the best way is probably education, right? And explaining your why. And, and there's probably a reason why the spouse is not on board. It's probably because, um, and maybe asking them why it would be a great way, right? What's holding you back? Um, well, I think it's a scam or um, it doesn't work or this. Well, okay, well, maybe providing them with some resources, right? Providing them with some education. Um, check us out on, on our YouTube channel. We have lots of videos. Like, show them those kind of things where you'll be, they'll be able to um, get that education at a high level, some mindset stuff as well. Um, but really finding out what is it about and, and focusing on the why. Like, okay, so if the fear is I'm scared that we fail, okay, well, but why do you want to do this in the first place? Because our kids are growing up and I'm missing time. Why? Because I want to retire my mom and I don't have enough money to do so. Okay, well, which one are we, if we don't change, nothing changes. So if we can stay where we are and that failure is going to be there, right? The, the fear of missing out with your kids or not being there with your parents or whatever it is that you want to achieve and really comparing the both and, and having that frank conversation. Mm. Yeah. Awesome advice. Okay. So you have obviously many resources, lots of great stuff on your YouTube, on your podcasts, on, um, and you also have an, I love OPM masterclass. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So it's basically, um, and I know we've talked about it fairly quickly today. Um, it's about a 15 minute masterclass where we'll break down the strategies about this creative financing that we talk about. You'll get to know David and I a little bit more. Um, so, and it's completely free. So you'll be able to, to, um, click on the link and, and, and go register for that. And the neat thing about it as well, once you do that, then you'll be able to receive some emails. We send a lot of emails, usually about three emails uh, a week as well, where we share tips or, um, sometimes we release a brand new video. That's really neat uh, about creative financing or investing in the U S or, you know, those kind of things. Uh, we interview some of our students like Lisa, for example, right? So we do different things like that, uh, um, that we share as well. So that way it's going to help you um, get to, yeah, get to know us, get to know the strategies. Um, number one, determine if this is something you really want to do and then just with some strategies and tools on, on how to go upon it as well. Amazing. Okay. We'll make sure there's a link to that in the show notes, uh, the, I love OPM mastermind uh, or masterclass and check out all that Mel and Dave do. Okay. Now it's the golden girls podcast. Last rapid fire questions. Um, what is the best money you've ever spent? What's the best money? Mm-hmm. Uh, 
You know what? I'd probably say... I'd probably say trips, <laughs> um, you know, spending uh, that time, and it's not about the, the trips itself, but it's about the memories and the connection and the time. And I don't mean big trips. They could be they could be at the cottage. They could be ten when we went camping. They could be in Costa Rica. Like I'm not saying these it have to be these extravagant, but for me, probably just that that time with with um, yeah with, with my kids and, and Dave. Hmm. Do you have a favorite place you've been? There's something about that, sorry? Oh, keep going. What were you going to say? Yeah, there's just just something about like vacation time where you're completely disconnected from from work, from all that kind of stuff. So I think that's why, yes, there's a cost to that, um, whether it's for planes or whether it's just time away from work and those kind of things. But it's, uh, yeah, time that, uh, that I never, ever regret. Yeah. Yeah. I think most people would relate to that. Um, Is there a favorite place you've been? I love Costa Rica. That um, oh. we go to Florida a lot just because it's nice and close and, and easy to fly there. But um, Costa Rica, uh, we've been uh, last year as a family. We stayed at one of our condos that we bought using creative financing. Amazing, <laughs> uh, yeah, which is pretty cool. Um, but it was yeah, it was a it was an amazing amazing trip. We're going back actually in, in a week from now with uh, with our little guy as well. Um, but yeah, I really like Costa Rica. It's probably one of my favorites. Fantastic. And you, okay, you guys, so you guys are in Canada, the U.S., Dominican, Costa Rica, and Mexico. Is that right? Yeah, correct. All great places. Those are, those are, <laughs> those are amazing. Yeah, um, okay. I'm a, I'm a beach bum, right? I love, I love the world. <laughs> so good. Um, so what's a goal that you are working on right now? Um, a goal right now. Oh, it's very preliminary. We're, we're starting to, we, we have, um, some, some connections that we're working with, with, uh, the possibility of, of maybe, uh, creating a fund, um, in the States. So yeah, so that would be uh, really neat. So it's, uh, that kind of working a little bit, uh, behind the scenes on that. Um, the bigger goal, honestly, like we, we had a big brainstorm about that not too long ago and it's really, it's kind of keep doing what we're, what we've been doing, especially even more this past year. Um, just because with the delegating a task and those kind of things and really focusing on, on, on our time as a family. Um, so I want definitely my goal is to continue that goal and, and, and to not bring on too much or put too much pressure on different, you know, uh, uh, I guess goals that I have, um, that being friend, the most important continue to have that. Cause that's what I love the most about, about my past few years is really having that. So my goal is continue doing that. Um, well, of course, maybe different countries as well. I'm not sure which one will, <laughs> will go next. Um, maybe look at another country or two, um, possibly doing uh, the fund as well, which would, I think would be such a, a new and different project and, and keeps life interesting as well and would be a great opportunity for, for those who want to invest uh, possibly with us. Exciting. Can't wait to see it happen. That's great. <laughs> um, okay, what is something that you've changed your mind about? Hmm... That, and, and I still am in some ways, but I've changed a little bit, probably, and kind of touched on this a little bit, but probably the buy and hold strategy um, that we had, that I have to buy and hold all of my properties. And, and at first, that's the only way that I kind of saw it, that I buy a property, I have to hold on to it because it's going to go up over time. And it absolutely will. And that's a great strategy. Um, and I'm doing that for sure with some of our properties. Some of them, though, I'm realizing that, okay, it's kind of reached a peak and I can hang on to it. It's going to go up or I can take those funds here right now, sell it and put it into a new one. And either it's going to appreciate it even more, or perhaps it's just less of a headache as well, right? It's less time, it's less property management issues or those kind of things as well. So 
I think it's that is as we grow, it, it's being able to shift on where's the time spent, where's my team's time being spent. Do I need to shift any of the, anything like that just to make overall the, the business um, and our lives run smoother? Mm, fantastic. Okay, if your life right now was one of your favorite movies ever, if if it was going to be one of your favorite movies ever, what would your character do next? Oh my gosh, what would my character do next? Um, probably buy additional countries, um, you know, and, and have it done and have it determined. I don't know which country I'm going in next. I'll probably kind of be fast forward that a couple of years. Um, I, uh, Dave and I, we, we love speaking on, on stages, um, helping other people as well. So continuing to have new opportunities, not only in, in Canada, but in, in the States as well. Um, so I'd love to, to continue to do that. Uh, I love the connections that we're, we're building. So continue to grow and, and meet some incredible people that I can connect with and, and, uh, and meet and have beautiful dinners with and, and laughter with. So continue to grow my, my network with, um, not necessarily, not necessarily celebrities, but people who, you know, who, who are at, at massive success, um, and all that as well. Mm, amazing. What's and your I, go-to? And I didn't throw in my kids in there because I'm sure you already know that that's a top one priority. Of course, it's always everything with the kids. Um, it's funny because I always write that as well, right? I, I always want my kids to be happy and living their best lives too. Mm, mm, beautiful. Uh, what's your go-to stress management or wellness habit or technique that you couldn't live without? Working out. Um, if I don't work out for too long, like for a long period of time that I kind of get out of it and, and I do that all time, <laughs> not all time. I, I do that from time to time. I should say that I'll take, you know, two, three days off and that becomes a week and that becomes two weeks and then it's three weeks. Um, then I, I just feel edgy. I just feel moodier. <laughs> so yeah, so that's one thing I definitely, um, although sometimes I don't feel like doing, it's pretty rare that I finished a workout going, I, that was such a bad workout, right? You, you should feel so much better uh, when it's done. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Putin, <laughs> would you eat it with cheese curds or shredded cheese? Oh, sorry, kid out there. Can you say that again? Yeah. Okay. Putin, would you eat it with cheese curds or shredded cheese? Oh, curds all the way. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Yep. Yep. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. And where can people find you to follow along with you and learn more about Investor Mel and Dave? Yeah. So we're on all social media platforms. It's always Investor Mel Dave. Investor Mel Dave. So we're on TikTok. Um, we're on Instagram. We're on YouTube. We, we have lots of videos on YouTube. Um, on Facebook. And the neat thing, if you go to our different channels, um, we do release different content in different places as well. So you'll be seeing different things, um, you know, throughout your day in different platforms. Awesome. And for those that want to learn more about OPM specifically, check out the I Love OPM Masterclass, and we will have links to all of that in the show notes. Mel, is there anything else you want to say or anything you want to leave our listeners with today? No, I mean, Lisa, this was great. I, I really enjoyed our chat. At the end of the day, you know, you don't have to know it all to, to do this. Um, dig into your goals. Dig into what you want to do. Take action, of course. I can't leave without taking action, right? Um, results just don't take happen without without action. And, and just know that you're limitless, right? There's no... Um, there's no there's no end to your growth, whether you're, 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 whether you're, you're 20 years old or you're 60 years old, whether you have a lot of money, whether you don't have a lot of money, whether you failed a bunch of times, um, or if you had great success and it's been pretty easy, you know, you're, you're limitless. You set your goals, take steps every day or as much as possible, take that action piece. 
Um, and you'll be pretty incredible to see what you can achieve in a year. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for sharing, uh, inspiring stories, tangible, you know, uh, tricks and tips and different ways of seeing things and strategies. Um, and thanks for just being joyful, transparent, authentic, and for being you. Uh, I know everybody listening is going to, has gotten so much out of this episode. We're so grateful to have you and Troy and I are really grateful to have both you and Dave as mentors. So thanks for being here. And, um, I hope we get to continue the conversation another time. Uh, I would love that. Thanks so much. (laughs) Thank you. What'd you think? I would love to know. Feel free to send me an Instagram message or an email and let me know what you thought about this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that hearing Mel's perspective, Mel's authenticity, that it opened your eyes to new possibilities and new ways of thinking. I hope you feel excited and curious about ways that you can scale your real estate portfolio. And I hope this opens your mind. Whether you end up using this methodology, creative financing or not, I hope that you learned something and it's expanded you in, in some amazing ways. If you do want to know more about the Investor Mal and Dave Action Family Mentorship Program, click on the link in the show notes and you can book a call to learn more. I want to be transparent with you and let you know that Mal and Dave have offered us a referral for their program. And we said yes and decided we want to pass along a special thank you to you if you decide to join the Action Family Mentoring Program. First off, at the time of this recording, there is no official affiliate link. So in order to take advantage of the thank yous and the bonuses that I'm about to share, there's a few steps you must take. Number one, you need to email my team, and I'll put the link in the show notes. It's going to be info at lisamishow.com. And let us know that you're interested in the Action Family and you've booked a call. Number two, when you're on that call, and by the way, if Mel knows that I sent you, she is going to do her best to be on the call with you. Let that person know on the call. If it's Mel, great. Uh, If somebody else, awesome. Let them know that either Lisa Michaud or Troy Michaud sent you. When you email me, I'm going to then forward your email to Mel so that she knows you're a special VIP guest of mine and she'll take great care of you. If you let Mel know on the call that I sent you, she will offer you a special bonus. She'll support you in um, in a special way to make sure that you are taken care of in the program. And if you decide to join the Action Family, if you decide that it is the right step for you, it's aligned, it, it's going to help you with your goals, then Troy and I want to give you some extra bonuses as well. If you join, you let them know that we've sent you and then you let us know that you've joined, we're going to give you access to our real estate goal setting workshop and playbook, all designed to help you set solid real estate goals and align your strategy with your goals, which is super important, always the first step. We're also going to give you our best tips for getting the most out of your time in the action family. And the last thing we're going to do, super special, I feel like we need a drum roll here. We need to work on our editing in 2023. Uh, You're going to get a one hour coaching session with Lisa or Troy, so me or Troy, to kickstart your journey within three months of joining the action family. Now, this is super, super important though, because we're doing this a little old school here. Be sure to send us an email ahead of your call so we can give the Mel and Dave team a heads up that you're coming, that you're at VIP and then you can get Mel's bonus and ours too. Just so you know, if we do end up getting an affiliate link and it's that much easier, if I will make sure to add that to the show notes down the road. So if you're listening later in 2023, uh, feel free to check there. Um, Mel did say this was something their team is working on. Hopefully it's there. Otherwise, just follow those steps that I shared. Just a simple email letting us know. Um, put it, Pop it all in the show notes for you. That is all for today, my friend. If you have got a 
somebody you love, a fellow investor, a friend, a, like a playmate, uh, clearly I'm a mom of a young kid. Anyways, if there's somebody you think would love this episode, please take a moment to share it with them. If you have a mastermind going on or a group chat with fellow investors, share this with them. And you know, in the next get together, instead of talking about the latest episode of Housewives or whatever is trendy these days, use that time together to uplift each other. Talk about what you learned in the episode, what questions you still have, and support each other in living your goals and your best life. Thanks for listening. Thank you for being here. I'll see you on the next episode of Golden Girls Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If something spoke to you, send me a message by sharing this episode and tagging me on social media. If you know someone who would love to hear this episode, please share it with them too. Because I love surprises, make sure you subscribe to the Golden Girls podcast today. It's the only way to find out about bonus surprise episodes and make sure you don't miss a single beat on your golden journey. Thanks again for listening and I will talk to you in the next episode of the Golden Girls podcast.